All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast, Friday, December 7th. I'm Doug Norrie, that is. James Davis. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com, if you want to type in only four keystrokes, well, plus the URL, uh, the, the .com part, but DFSR.com slash deals. <laughs> Hold on, slash deals. It's going to get you started <laughs> with our free uh, seven-day trial to our premium product, powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. That's optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL. It includes NBA projections. Uh, includes now NHL optimization for new for our users that were in testing mode just for our premium users. So go check that out. Premium chat. It's all covered under one subscription package. Uh, DFSR.com slash deals will get you started about as good Hey, you reminded me of something. You reminded go. me of something. Go ahead. This is cool. The, uh, the other night, um, I'm going to say maybe it was Wednesday, maybe it was last Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, something screwed up in the system and one of our longtime users pointed it out to me and I... Uh, I was like so grateful because it was like a last minute catch. It was really important that I offered to uh, refund him some of his month's payment. And uh, I was like, I'm going to track down your username and send this back to you. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, don't worry about it. And I insisted. And he was like, dude, I've made so much money with you guys over the years. Like I couldn't even take back a month's payment. And I thought that was really cool. So Pairs up. that, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a cool moment. And another great endorsement of dfsr.com slash deals well one of the things we're most proud of too and we're going to get to the nfl week here in a second but one of the things we're proud of is we uh, in our premium chat we just kind of fostered a community in there that is especially for basketball each night uh, and sunday football too as well um really when the games are happening it's like kind of uh, a way to just get in there and talk sports. Maybe when the people around you don't want to talk sports, uh, it offers a great yeah, way to kind or of Or you jump don't feel in. like going out to the bar or you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, so stuff. jump in there. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. We're going to break down uh, the full week game by game, uh, what's going on here for week 14. We have a full slate. Obviously, everyone's passed the bye. Some people are into their fantasy playoffs right now. Derek Henry, I think, is still running, uh, maybe with like a couple of Jaguars attached to his back the, for <laughs> after <laughs> probably one of the, the greatest, one of the most awesome runs I've, I've seen. He ends up just scoring four touchdowns last night in a crazy just outlier performance that most people probably had him on their bench. If they, if they were in the fantasy playoffs, they had him on their bench and just stared uh, in awe and, and agony as they, he was just scored touchdown after touchdown against the Jaguars. But let's get into a full week of football here. Not a ton on the injury news front from a game-by-game perspective. A couple little things that we're going to want to pay attention to. But for the most part, I don't think we're waiting on too much injury news. The big well, yeah, we're not waiting on it, but we have. Like, injuries are still playing a significant role in our projections this week. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm just saying there's not a lot of stuff hanging out there. I don't think there's there's a couple Great. pieces that we're going to nod to about guys that have questionable tags that haven't practiced. But for the most part, a lot of the injury stuff is known. And I think for the most part, the theme of the, the podcast today is going to be what to do with some of these running back situations. But we'll go through those game by game and break down uh, kind of where we see things we're kind of just where we see things kind of headed. All right, the first game, Colts go in and play the Texans. Texans are a four-and-a-half-point home favorite here. Colts coming off off of a very weird shutout loss to the Jags last week. They had been sort of rolling. Uh, luck had been looking awesome. And then all of a sudden, they just can't do anything against a Jags team that was playing with Cody Kessler and Carlos Hyde at running back. And then, obviously, those guys didn't play defense. But um, <laughs> they, the Colts, but, I mean, just the attack, they just couldn't even get the Hyde probably back. would have been better if he did play defense at just this point. so crazy. But now... The, the injury, the only injury stuff that we're paying attention to, at least on the cold side, T.Y. Hilton is questionable. That would actually make a big deal if he were not to play. He's not practiced this week. We'll know today, uh, This we record this on Friday morning, if he's practiced on Friday. Uh, if that didn't, if he didn't play, that would actually shift around some of our projections. Uh, Ebron didn't practice either, but that's just out of an illness. I think that he's going to play. Where do you see, where do you stand here on the cold side of the ball from either the run game or the luck perspective? Not a great matchup here against Houston, but we've seen luck put up some pretty big games. Uh, against some tougher matchups earlier in the season. Uh, give me some over thought, overall thoughts on the Colts, and you can touch on the Texans as well. 
Yeah, I mean, so I won't touch the Colts running game. Uh, Marlon Mack, he was settling in at the mid-teens in terms of carries in a game where they couldn't really generate anything. He only got eight carries. He was pretty ineffective. Uh, Jacksonville, a good defense, but I just don't see why you need to bother with Mack in that mid-range. On the passing side, uh, I love Ebron, of course. I think he's the premier tight end player for me this week. And I think Hilton, while... And I guess I'm, I'm curious to know what you think about him. He does have 23 targets in the last two weeks. He was heavily targeted against Jacksonville, never punched in the end zone. He's getting a little pricier now. Is he the type of guy that you would be comfortable rolling out there for cash games, given how you know he's been missing practice this week with the shoulder injury and has hasn't like totally done it from a fantasy perspective even if the targets have been there like what are your real thoughts on Hilton here he's gonna have a tough time here um especially if Jonathan Joseph kind of follows him around on the perimeter um and Kareem Jackson on the inside these two guys are two of the highest rated cornerbacks in the league right now so uh, Hilton is drawing yeah. a very tough very tough matchup here especially especially if they're gonna move Jack Joseph around like he doesn't he doesn't shadow cover but it looks like from the way that they line up uh between the left and right and slot it, he will kind of move side to side depending on where probably in sort of match they want to get him in uh they but but again ty does go into the slot as well so i guess my overall thinking is hilton while the targets could be there he's getting a pretty big downgrade in our system based on what assumes to be the cornerback matchup that's going to translate by the way to whoever plays for hilton if you were to sit uh those guys are not going to be in a great situation even either obviously we're looking here at Ebron as a play he's in a bad situation too houston's been decent against tight ends on the season they're just a good defense overall this is the problem the houston's a top 10 defense on the season a little bit worse against the pass i think the target share for Ebron is good enough um i'm gonna wait on the hilton news not a guy i'd be overly excited about playing um but i guess i could i could he's he's also just kind of coming cheap on at least on DraftKings for what you might see in terms of target share only 6300 in ppr fashion that could actually get you there even in a bad matchup what about the houston side we've seen decent run games out of lamar miller over a couple weeks spam uh deshaun watson hasn't really busted out of the box completely they haven't had to throw a ton with watson like he just hasn't been asked to do all that much just because they've been in manageable games did rush the ball seven times for 30 yards last game uh thoughts on houston they are home favorites sometimes we are interested in targeting running backs in these situations yeah i mean i was encouraged to see miller go out there and get 20 touches against cleveland uh this game script rates to be somewhat similar to that one and it's good to know that the plan generally is to get him around 20 touches in a game that the running back would be favored so you know we had some questions after the tennessee game of course that one was kind of weird because he had 162 rushing yards on just 12 carries and so sometimes when running backs put up huge totals on fewer carries that just leads to fewer carries overall because the team has the ball less and you know there's a number of different reasons there so yeah i think miller is the type of guy you could think about running out there Uh, i guess it really just comes down to your evaluation of the number of carries because i think uh given the last three weeks houston has shown that they are competent when it comes to running the ball. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I, I still think that he is too cheap for his upside for big tournaments. I think for 7800 we've seen him be a $9,000 quarterback in the past. And while it's been coming and going this season, it hasn't been as consistent as it looked like it could be in the past. Uh, the upside is absolutely there. So, you know, he scored 29 fantasy points against Tennessee. He scored 31 against Miami. He can't be off your radar for big tournaments as far as I'm concerned. Lamar Miller right now is the third overall points per dollar running back on DraftKings for us at 5,100. So going to be interesting to see where we land. He essentially split carries with Alfred Blue last game, but the game was also in hand. So sometimes they can't really take that snap count as being translatable game over game if they're playing in close games to keep running him. In a game that doesn't have a lot of uh, DFS relevance, unless you want to start uh, play some of the defenses here, uh, Jets go in and play Buffalo, 38.5 over under. 
Buffalo slight three and a half point home favorites. They got they released Kelvin Benjamin over the course of the week. That doesn't really matter. I think I think Casey signed him yesterday. I have to go double check that. Um, you know, McCoy was a guy that interested us last week a little bit. Isaiah Kroll kind of put up a lot of yards <laughs> recently. I don't know what I trust yeah. in this game. These two teams are so unexciting. And we have seen actually pretty – the one thing is we have seen decent upside games from Josh Allen, mostly because he's one of the few quarter he runs so much. Um, what are your thoughts on possibly maybe taking GPP stabs on a couple of the guys in this game? It's hard to really kind of get into it from a cash game perspective, I think. Yeah, my thoughts are that I don't want to. I just don't see the point. Uh, the Jets are the second lowest total overall this week. The Bills kind of lack dynamic playmakers. I think if you were going to dabble in the pool of this game for whatever reason, I still think McCoy, it hasn't really manifested yet, but I still think the touches are there, that he would just need to get in the end zone a couple times, and all of a sudden you'd be really thrilled. I mean, we saw this game against these very same Jets a couple weeks ago where he did have the 26 carries and two touchdowns. So uh, he's got it in him for big tournaments. It's just, yeah, are you going to trust it? Uh, I guess if you think the game script goes in McCoy's favor here, and it rarely will with the Bills just because they're a bad team. But if you think this is the week where it will, then I think he's a playable option. Yeah, like I said, Josh Allen does have rushing ability in him. And when you have that as a quarterback, you will have – you can kind of maintain a higher floor just because it's just automatic points. Sure. And, then, and you can, I mean, they call it naked quarterback in the sense that you're not really – you're not getting in on him to have him – to also roster any of his pass catchers outside of just a complete dart throw on some of these guys. Uh, but like I said, if, you, if you're the kind of guy that can put up 135 yards rushing in a game, 99 the game before, so to over 200 yeah. yards rushing over the last two games, yeah. uh, that is a real thing. And you can live with the you know f- sub-50% completion percentage from a fantasy perspective if you think he's going to get out and run. <laughs> sure. um, and you also just can't really give him – you know you can't project him for like 75 rushing yards on a, on a given day. It's just not really tenable. Uh, and like I said, I think you can probably consider – you can probably consider both of the defenses here uh, just because neither of the offenses are any good at all. Panthers go in and play the Browns. This line is has the Panthers, a two-point road favorites against Cleveland. Cam is questionable, but he's going to play. Uh, McCaffrey is coming off, a, uh, coming off a couple of very huge weeks, basically, just in terms of overall touches. And they have now lost Greg Olson for the season. The guy just can't simply can't stay healthy. Uh, thoughts on? Let's start on the Panther side in terms of the Cam McCaffrey pairing. Not a great matchup here. Decent total, twenty four and a half implied points for Carolina. These are guys we've considered for cash in the past. Do you still see them like sort of existing in that same range? Yeah, I mean, I think people will continue to be tempted by McCaffrey. Uh, we have back to back weeks now, and many examples this season of him being a solid running back and a good wide receiver. So. If that it's really hard to put a price on a guy who will get ten, solidly 10 targets and a receiving touchdown in the passing game and also have between 10 and 20 carries. So, yeah, I think you'll see people really thinking hard about McCaffrey once again. I, I don't know. We might be entering the realm where we're a little bit priced out of it, especially like if you want to play Zeke this week, then you start to run out of money eventually is kind of the way it winds up working. And I personally think that Elliott is a stronger cash game play than McCaffrey is, but I could definitely see a world where I would want both. Um, yeah, I'm with you. McCaffrey's now the most expensive running back on both sites. Um, so it's this, warranted. This is the, it is. He's been great. The pass catching, too. The fact that he plays every snap on offense now, uh, there's no more just even shuttling him out for different series to get the C.J. Andersons of the world in there. Um, 
Alex Arm, you know, fullback kind of. He wasn't really a big carry guy, but um, it's just all it's all McCaffrey and Newton at this point. Now the matchup is not great. Cleveland is a, another team that's got a decent defense on the season. They are significantly worse against the rush, though. They rank fourth against the pass in DVOA, twenty sixth against the rush. So you could probably live with the kind of matchup you're getting for McCaffrey, who again is not like a completely traditional running back in the sense of um, how they use him because they just use him so much in the passing game. Does the Olsen? Injury do anything for you in terms of redistributing target share? He wasn't a hugely targeted tight end. Uh, I mean, we could see maybe more Funches, maybe some more DJ Moore. Again, the, uh, Olsen just wasn't really the kind of guy that got a t- was getting a ton of targets. Yeah, he his absence doesn't create a lot of opportunity here, I don't think. Uh, DJ Moore, I guess three straight weeks with eight targets. The yardage has been there in the past. He wasn't as efficient against Tampa Bay, which is kind of odd because that ought to have been a really, really excellent matchup. Uh, still somewhat cheap, but the price has come up a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's a guy. Like if you needed a, a plug-and-play guy at six thousand three hundred for cash games, you could certainly consider him. I just think that this week we have enough options in that mid to low range, the lower middle class of wide receiver that he might be one of the odd men looking at. I will say one one final thought on McCaffrey here um, is that he's always he's the guy week to week I struggle the most with just overall opportunity, like where to give his opportunity because. Right. You know, last week it's 10 carries, 10 rush, uh, 10 targets. That's great, right? And the week before it's 17 carries and 11 targets. But when the ca- the carries fluctuate so much, but the targets are, I almost like go high on the carries and lower on the targets. But he's what he's one on a week to week basis. I've had the hardest time really honing in on what his overall opportunity is. Because if you, if, I'll tell you right now, if we gave him the opportunity, like the, even like the median opportunity that he's had over the last three weeks, I think our projection on him would be much higher. I'm just a little mm-hmm. skeptical about doing that because especially the targets. I just have such a hard time believing they're, they're, they're like double-digit targets per game are sustainable for a running back. Um, Brownside, Nick Chubb is a guy that you know that we've seen them be willing to give the ball to him 20 times a game, even in games where they're losing. Uh, can you see rostering a guy like Chubb today? We've seen also huge games out of him in the past. Yeah, I'd rather not. Uh, Chubb disappeared last week. I, granted, that was a really terrible game script with the game ending at 29-13. Uh, to 13. But given that we know now that like we didn't know before that sometimes they just wouldn't give him the ball. Now that we know that that's in play, I think it becomes a lot less appealing. Because the story with playing Chubb in the past was basically, hey, you're going to get 22 touches regardless. Uh, that's absolutely worth something. And Cleveland effective enough that Chubb was also the the primary scoring threat. And if you look at the last four weeks, the guy's had six touchdowns. And obviously most of his fantasy scoring is going to be wrapped up in those touchdowns. So yeah, you really have to... I think if you want to pay this much for Chubb, you're probably only doing it in big tournaments on the dream that he gets the 25 carries again and punches in a couple touchdowns. But I think for cash games, you'd be uh, taking an unreasonable and unnecessary risk in order to get him in. And we did see a return to the Jarvis Landry targets last week, uh, targeted yep. nine times, went over 100 yards. That had not been the norm since they'd moved the offensive coordinator over. But he can be a possession guy, and he's, the yep. price has dropped a lot. So maybe take he's a, a possible upside target guy. Yeah, another try. tournament stab for sure. I, I think you know he just doesn't get in the end zone. Two touchdowns all season, in spite of being one of the most targeted receivers all season. I yeah, I'm not seeing it with Landry for cash, but yeah, for big tournaments, I, I think there's there's always a chance, right? So. Patriots go in as seven and a half point road favorites against the Dolphins. This is the carry distribution for the because I'm I'm saying this because seven and a half point favorites is usually where we want to start thinking about running backs. The carry distribution last week was Michelle seventeen, Burkhead seven, White six, Devlin four, mm-hmm. uh, Edelman two, Brady two, and then Cordell Patterson. Like they just the and and the snaps are all over the place too. Like White had thirty three snaps, Devlin had thirty five snaps, Michelle had thirty. Is this just too crazy of a situation in the New England run game to even, 
I don't even know where to begin to start with this thing. It just seems like this is like, <laughs> I feel like they need to have like other bees to the RBBC that like connotation here. There's just so many freaking, <laughs> there's so many freaking running backs in this thing. It just kind of keeps going on and on forever. So you know that they don't just put a B in for each running back. It actually. I'm just trying to make the thing like elongate, like to, to prove my point. I know that the letters don't work out. Don't worry about that part of it. I'm just I'm trying to make a visual point about the thing I'm trying to say. About I know it was it was an effective visual point. Yep. Uh, no, I, I'm with you on the New England running game. I think especially someone like Sonny Michelle, he's just not cheap now. So if you're not sure that he's going to get the carries, like these guys are kind of like a an extremely poor man's version of Kamara and Ingram or something. And we've seen that it's just very difficult to sustain to starter level priced running backs and i don't suspect that new england will enter that territory i do like the new england defense here by the way i think uh, they're in a pretty interesting spot they're on the cheaper end of some of the teams that are playing really really bad offenses so i think i'm looking at them for that reason but out of that you know like uh, they're spreading the ball around just a little bit too much for my tastes and i think there's actually a lot of value on a full slate this week so i probably won't land with any patriots Rob Gronkowski is 4,800 on DraftKings this week. He is the fifth, sixth, sixth most expensive tight end in the same group with Jordan Reed and Jimmy Graham. A little bit more expensive than those guys, but cheaper than Cook and Kittle. Uh, thoughts on him? He's a name, obviously. He's, looks He's a terrible of, play. That's yeah. my thought. Okay, so, so just do, go through it real quick. It's just like, just look Cook to you at this point? Like, I don't know. I, They're just not using him the same way they have in the past, and... Sometimes it's not even for lack of trying. The guy has caught three, exactly three balls in each of his last four games, and he has one touchdown over that time. He's had games where he gets started eight times and catches three balls, seven times and catches three balls. Like They're just not making it happen. And for Gronk, I think there was this real snowball effect with Gronkowski in the past where like you give it to Gronk, and then it just looks so easy that it's really hard to just not do it again. <laughs> and given that that's not the case right now, they're just using him the same way everyone in the league uses their tight end, which is sparingly. Yep, and they just have a ton of guys here that catch balls. White, Edelman, Gronkowski, yeah. Gordon. I mean, not not Chris Hogan, but at least he's a name. Uh, Cordell Patterson, mm-hmm. they have Rex Burkhead in here that we that we know can catch balls out of the backfield. This is a team that has a personnel distribution that just makes it so it's hard to really feel great about any one specific play, even when some of these guys' price ha- have dropped significantly. Uh, Dolphins, forget it. I'm going to skip. These guys are terrible. They don't throw the ball even when they're losing. I just it's That's been a disaster uh, of a team really from the beginning, especially from a DFS perspective. But uh, Ravens go in and play the Chiefs. Uh, the line has dropped a little bit here this week. It started with the Chiefs 30.25 implied points down, down to 28.75, which is one of their lowest totals that we've seen from them in quite some time, facing a stiffer defense than they've really played in, in over the last couple of weeks. Baltimore ranks fifth, excuse me, fourth overall in DVOA uh, on the season. And that, with that in mind, um, Sammy Watkins still looks like he's not going to play. Spencer Ware still, the price hasn't come up a ton. Uh, we talked a little bit about these guys yesterday, but give me your overall thoughts on the on the Chiefs. Yeah, so I think the Chief, what you're getting with the Chiefs is. A ton of potential upside, and we know after last week, and I think over the course of the season, that you're also signing up for some volatility as well. Uh, you know, Kelsey can just go off on you, and you, I think, wrote this up for our cash game article, but 28 targets, 22 catches, and three touchdowns for almost 300 yards in a two-week span is just completely ridiculous, and certainly flashing that big tournament winning upside that you're looking for on an $8,000 price tag. And we know that some weeks it's just going to be Tyreek Hill's week, and he's going to be the guy who gets that level of target share. So I think when you're looking at the Chiefs and you're trying to figure out where all this production is going to go, 
it's like we we talked ourselves into hey we'll just get the all the whole chiefs team right but you can't get the whole chiefs team it's too expensive so you have to wind up leaving someone out and i do think you expose yourself to some risk there uh, i think the chiefs they're priced at their highest points in the season with the exception of hill in not their best matchup of the season so you got to keep that in mind and i think like last week was probably our one and only time maybe playing mahomes at a super super high price tag because he was against the raiders i don't know i, I really i think the chiefs are amazing i love what they've done offensively this season i just don't know if we're going to land on them for cash games this week yep uh, we, i think you summed that up pretty well i still like kelsey a lot i i'm still very high on tyreek hill um especially if if uh Watkins is out i don't mind conley again and then on the baltimore side the so Lamar, so right now Joe Flacco is questionable, but it doesn't look like he's going to play. So I think we're going to get another Lamar Jackson game here. From a DFS perspective, in terms of pace, Kansas City allows the second most opponent plays per game on the season, which makes sense because they score so damn quickly that the other team just gets the ball back, right? So, um, but the, only Cincinnati allows more opponent plays per game. Uh, so Kansas City, from a, like if we're just talking like overall volume. You do see an increased volume on a week-to-week basis. With that being said, and, we, and we've also seen Baltimore just kind of be committed to now knowing that they want to have Lamar Jackson out there and running. Could you see a scenario where, like, does he have, like, big tournament upside in a game like this? Or, but Kansas is also not very good against the pass, too. And now Lamar Jackson's not a great thrower, but this kind of, like, does line up as what could be a high-volume, maybe high-upside game for Lamar Jackson. Have, could you talk yourself into him for tournaments? Yeah, for tournaments, again, he's like now in the Josh Allen category for me. Uh, the carries are there, like just legitimately full on there. 26, 11, and 17 carries in his three starts. He's a he's basically like a running back, like a, like a poor, like a $6,500 running back, right? And so the question is, can you get the extra 1,000 out of the passing game from him? And I submit that you probably can. And I think for big tournaments, like two rushing touchdown upside, like if this guy ever punches in two rushing touchdowns in a game, all of a sudden, he's going to be in winning big tournament lineups. So, yeah, they'll be playing from behind. I think he gets planned runs and he gets those accidental runs. He's obviously a tremendous athlete. He can run on anyone. The yards per carry are good. I, I really like Jackson for big tourneys this week. Uh, Green Bay is going to host the Falcons in a game that started with a 47.5 over-under. is now up to 50, so a pretty significant increase on the overall points in this one i'm not sure if this one opened before the mike mccarthy firing and that's part of it so i'm not exactly sure i I haven't looked at the timeline of where the line movement is on this one usually those games have been set before sunday's games are over but uh, we do have a lot of points potentially going up on the board here more points did come up on the falcon side that's worth mentioning the line dropped from minus six to minus four for green bay uh i guess let's start on the green bay side new coach this week uh with getting mccarthy out of there unclear if it's a chicken or the egg kind of thing with why their offense have been struggling uh Let's go through all, all the positions because I think they're probably all relevant here. Let's start with Rodgers. Where you see him landing in terms of maybe tournament first cash game play? And then I do want to talk about like Aaron Jones and some of the wide receivers as well. Yeah, so I think for starters, I really like Aaron Jones once again. I think obviously Green Bay. It's been kind of weird with Rodgers this season. Like they have you know, the change of offensive coordinator. They've had some difficulty passing the ball. Rodgers' completion percentage is back down to where it was when he had a difficult time a couple seasons ago. And certainly, like, the Green Bay offense writ large doesn't look as potent as it ought to. And I still have to think that's reading some of these names that there's the potential for some really blowout performances. I mean, I guess I want to throw back to you on Jones as well because we played him for cash last week. Yep. Uh, Green Bay is in that zone that you like in terms of being the right amount of favorites, but they were against Arizona too. And he only touched the ball 15 times and kind of like 
squeaked through just by snagging a touchdown. Are we thinking about playing Aaron Jones in cash again? Like, what's what's your take there? I really want to believe that this is one of the reasons Mike McCarthy got fired was that that he ended up splitting carries with Jamal Williams again, like it was or splitting snaps. Excuse me, thirty nine to thirty eight snaps. It's it seems like malpractice. You hate to see to do, it. To, yeah. It seems like malpractice from a coaching perspective to take a guy who's so clearly better from a from a talent perspective and just split snaps with a guy who's just way worse. I am very bullish again here on Jones. I have him at 15 carries and four targets, which is clearly the targets are in line with what he had last week. The carries are more. Um, the carries could be low again. I again with the new coaching. Scheme, I don't know. I mean, they could be, but I'm spooked, dude. Like the, as soon as you see that straight split snaps. You have to be pretty concerned. And see, he's not cheap anymore, man. He's not like a, a $6,200 guy we're taking a flyer on these days. He's like the full, you're playing the full price for. Uh, I'm going to throw out a couple quick names here. Uh, this guy or that guy, right? Aaron Jones or Nick Chubb this week? Aaron Same. Jones. Okay. Aaron Jones or Austin Eckler? Uh, Eckler, 800 cheaper. Oh, I take Eckler. That one's close for me. We're going to talk about my concerns. With yeah, it's, this, cl- it's close for me too. With this Chargers yeah. team, those that, those are the price tier that those guys are like around the same projection. Um, yeah, I'm. I was. I've been bullish on Jones two weeks in a row. One week it really worked out. The other one it really didn't. So uh, I'm, it's it's close. I I do want to speculate that he's going to get a majority of the carries here, and I get why we would not probably want to possibly roll into cash games with that strategy. Uh, from a target share perspective, we saw Adams once again 13 targets last week. Uh, we saw Jimmy Graham with a big bump in targets to 11, and then Valdez with seven and Cobb with five. How, how are you standing with these uh, with the wide receiver core? Like, where does and where does Devontae Adams rank for you in terms of just like in that upper tier of upper tier of like wide receiver one guys? I like Adams. I don't think I'll play him for cash. I just don't think you can play. There's not enough guys to play, and given the the offensive coordinator shakeup could just have some kind of unknown effect on this team. And I don't think from a talent perspective, he's like this overwhelming talent that they feel like they must give the ball to 15 times a game or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll probably take a week and wait and see on Adams. Uh, it's a great matchup with Atlanta. They've been a bottom five defense against the pass all season. And I also just have like Antonio Brown at exactly the same price in a known situation against an even worse team. So like if I have to pick between big name, big ticket wide receivers i'll probably just land on brown and yeah i don't think adams is a bad play by any stretch it's just that i don't think looking at things this week that you're going to be in a spot where you'll play two of them uh the only guy i maybe have interest on the atlanta side really from a dfs perspective is julio jones i guess some big tournament upside for a guy like calvin ridley uh but is that kind of where you land on this team i the, the running back situation is a full full-blown skip uh, they they split the carries too much um but just quick thoughts on on the atlanta passing game with jones and 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 possibly ridley yeah, I. it's actually kind of funny this week. When I was writing up defenses, I noticed the Packers kept popping up, and I was like, I wonder why. Like, this is this is, doesn't seem like a good spot. It's Atlanta after all, right? Like, they've got Jones. They've got Ridley. They've got, you know, a strong two-headed running attack and all that stuff. Atlanta actually hasn't been that great on offense this season. No. And actually, I, I think you'll see Green Bay at their price tier uh, be going up against. Like, I think you'll see pretty decent ownership there. And especially right now, Julio. Uh, the foot is, we've seen this crop up for him in the past. Like he can be used as a decoy. He didn't participate in Thursday's practice. It's probably just a, yeah, just a, you know, limiting him and a kind of a normal thing, but it's definitely worth keeping an eye because Julio's another guy, you know, by and large, the production has been there for sure and took a complete and utter no-show against Baltimore last week. So again, uh, given that I can choose for essentially every team in the NFL, I don't think I'm going to be landing on any of these Falcons guys. Uh, moving into Saints and the Bucks, Saints are 10-point road favorites over Tampa Bay right now. That line started at 58, came down to 55, but the points came mostly down on the Bucks side because uh, they're 
the Saints implied total stay right within a half a point. Bucks went from 25 to 22 and a half. 10-point favorites, again, this is where we want to start targeting running backs, um, especially in a game if they can start getting downhill uh, on a, against a bad Bucks defense who also stink through the air. Feels like New Orleans should be a team that we should be targeting here, and I'm just worried. I'm worried about the usage concerns all around. It's not a talent level concern here. It's just like who is going to touch the ball enough to warrant their prices, or are you kind of falling in the same line with that line of thinking? Yeah, probably. I, I do think Michael Thomas will be heavily played for big tournaments. Um, you know, the production hasn't totally been there recently, but we've seen him just absolutely carve teams up this season in the right situation. And worth noting, week one was that week where everyone looked and just like, where you had to do the double take, where Thomas caught 16 out of 17 balls for 180 yards and a touch, and that was against Tampa Bay. So <laughs> I think that you'll see a lot that narrative being passed around a lot. And it's reasonable too. He's also just pretty cheap if you think he like if you would just acknowledge that he has the same upside as any wide receiver on this slate and you get to save five or six hundred by playing him yeah a lot of people are going to go that route and i bet people will go that route for cash as well in some cases we now get camara as the fourth most expensive FanDuel running back uh and i say that because he from a talent side obviously he's right up with all these guys it's just a matter of sure. are they going to give him the ball enough he saw 11 targets last week in 10 he got you know 20 over overall touches it was a game they lost um so they were playing from behind which makes you know, which when you see that makes the targets make a little bit more sense. I mean, this feel, also feels like a guy who could just maybe hit value in the first half if things are going really well, even if he's splitting carries. Um, any reason to talk yourself in knowing that we're getting him at a pretty significant price decrease since the beginning of the season? There's context with Ingram being back, obviously. but Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's come up and gone down in, in, over the course of the season. You know, like I think he started around 8,000 and he shot up to the nines when he was on his own and touching the ball mid-20s up to 31 times in a single game. And with Ingram back, that's just not the plan. So, yeah, things can go perfectly like they did for him last week in terms of overall touches. And he could still not pay an $8,300 price tag. I think especially the uh, lack of touchdowns recently is pretty unsurprising as well, given that they just have more mass to feed. One touchdown in his last three games didn't top, top, or top 14 carries in any of those games. Not going to play him for 8300 Deshaun Jackson didn't practice again here on Thursday. Uh, yeah. He's the, almost definitely not going to play. We saw high ownership out of guys like Godwin. Humphreys had a little bit of ownership here and there. They both saw uh, a significant up, uh, uptick in targets. Sure seems like they're going to be playing from behind and having to pass here. Could you see going back specifically to Godwin, who was uh, a pretty chalky cash game play last week? Yeah, Godwin, I think, will be chalk again. If Deshaun misses, the price hasn't gone up. He was good. Uh, you know, when people play a guy and he's good and the price doesn't move and the matchup arguably gets better, you'll see plenty of Godwin this week. Yeah, six targets on 30 pass attempts for Jameis. Uh, so 20% target share is not bad in terms of, especially if you're going to get maybe 45 pass attempts or something like that out of, out of Winston in a game where they really could be playing from behind. I'm a little spooked that the line drops so much on the Tampa Bay side. They're not Their total is just not really in range with a high upside game, but stranger things in the NFL and all. Giants go in and play the Redskins. Redskins, uh, they just can't keep a quarterback healthy. They're going to roll out Mark Sanchez here after the second quarterback. McCoy broke his leg in almost uh, two out of three weeks with broken legs out of the quarterbacks. Uh, they have almost no points coming up on the board, 18.75 implied points, uh, which is really horrendous against this Giants defense, uh, who's now actually lost Landon Collins for the season. Um, let's start, I guess, on the Giants side. We've seen... They're, they're road favorites, uh, not overwhelming, three and a half points. We've seen them turn to Saquon and just run him into the ground. Could you see a game like this kind of going that way, especially if Redskins are having trouble keeping the ball uh, on the offensive side? Yeah, definitely. I think he's going to be another one that people are going to take a really long, hard look at. Uh, Barkley is just, I, again, he was someone that I wasn't super high on coming into this season just because 
I'm never that sure about rookies, but I think he's proved that the opportunity is there. Uh, you know, against a tough Chicago defense, he still managed to get 146 total yards on 27 touches. Uh, he has to be on the very, very short list these days, with basically with Zeke and Todd Gurley as the guys who you can be sure will get the ball uh, in any given week. Um, and what about like guys like Beckham? He's going to draw. I think he's going to draw Josh Norman shadow coverage. Yeah, he is. Um, does that worry you? These guys have had. Uh, they've got a history together. You know, back to, to going back to Norman's days in Carolina. That's right. They just both that. basically just tried to kill each other with their helmets that one game. But um, <laughs> the uh, you know, is this like does yeah. it strike you as a game? We still have a pretty decent multiplier on Beckham with this matchup, just because he's so good and Norman's fine. Um, it doesn't like it doesn't like put him out of consideration for our our. Uh, our system's purposes on Odell. Where do you stand with him as in regards to the other big upper tier wide receivers? Yeah, I think the talent is still there. It's just he has a bad quarterback. So, you know, in the last three weeks, you can see the various examples of how this can go wrong. Uh, Only gets targeted four times against Tampa Bay. Only able to convert five of nine targets against Philly. Only able to convert three of nine against Chicago. And the yardage wasn't there either. So given the poor quarterback play, again, there's always going to be a big tournament upside on Beckham. Like he can get multiple touchdowns in a game. He can easily put up 200 receiving yards in a game. But it mostly comes down to the random number generator that uh, plays quarterback for his team. Like, will the ball land in his hands or will it be 15 feet over his head? Like, how exactly is it going to work out? Or bounce on the ground? I was going to say, it's never 15 feet over his head, so don't worry about that. Yeah, that's what I... (laughs) Bouncing the ball to him has been (laughs) the more common theme this year. But, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it's just strictly a tournament play. And even that, for me, not that exciting. Uh, one of the games that, for me, from a DFS perspective, has just a ton of question marks is, and it's really about the running game, is the Bengals go in and face the Chargers. The Chargers are 14-point home favorites uh, with 31 imply, thirty-one points implied on the board right now. The line actually came up from 47 to 48 equally on both sides. 14 points is right where, I mean, it's beyond where we want to start playing running backs. Eckler was a guy that was not on the main slate last week, and I would have been interested to see what his ownership would have been had he been on that main slate um i want to believe it would have been high though there was a lot of other running back value he was bad no other way around that he did he out snapped justin jackson 49 to 14 but only out carried him 13 to 8 did see eight targets in the past game where do we stand going on eckler going into from cash game perspective are we willing to just bite the bullet and say this situation is too good even if he split carries we might be in a good situation I'm this one is the one I think I'm going to spend the most time really thinking about because I'm just I'm a little lost because the Justin Jackson that he was so good has me a little bit spooked on Eckler yeah and I you know the other difficult thing about them being likely up in this game too is that a lot of Eckler's value comes from the passing game if they're up they're going to have less incentive or less need to do those you know short passes the new run sort of things which is where Eckler has really brought all of his value let's face it in the last couple of weeks um, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about Eckler. I don't know really how else to say it. He was just awful on the carries he did get against Pittsburgh. And the fact that Jackson was solid, you know, you want to watch news, you want to see what coaches are saying and that kind of thing. And I think you just don't, you, you can't walk into this feeling any huge degree of confidence, especially at a $6,700 price tag. I mean, we've talked about this, but that's basically where you just need to be a real running back, right? Yep. You need to be the guy or you're great on the two downs that you get. And I can't say with any confidence that Eckler is that. Uh, you know, murmurings is that he might even be on the lesser half of a timeshare with Jackson based on that performance. I, yeah, it's, it, you're accepting a decent amount of risk in your life if you wind up settling on Eckler for cash this week. Yeah, and this is, again, this is one of the bigger questions. I, I don't think you can, even if you heard, 
So even if you if you're like, oh, he's gonna be the starting running back again, that doesn't mean anything, right? Because you can get into a full time share. Right. If you, even if it switched the other way and said J- Justin Jackson's gonna get the start, that really wouldn't mean anything to me because he I can't imagine he'd be anything more than a two down back. So um, right. I am just. I'm pro- right now, Eckler is, is pretty high on our system. Over the next 48 hours, my guess is our projection on him comes down just out of the speculation that he's just not going to see yep. more than 15 touches. And I think that, that there's enough concern about that that I think I, you make a good point that at the price tag, you know, if he's 3500 like you, whatever he was last week. Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, but 6200 <laughs> 6, on DraftKings is probably uh, a bridge too far. Keenan Allen, we talked at length about yesterday coming off that big week. Are you worried about blowout potential here with the 14-point favors? This game could potentially be over before it really even gets started. Yeah, we talked about Allen in the Cash Game podcast. I'm still a believer. It's just such an excellent matchup with Denard in the slot that it's really hard to project Allen for fewer than 10 targets in this game. And I think given the uncertainty around the running back situation, or at least the ineffectiveness coming from the running back slot last week, uh, that the Chargers have every incentive to try the Allen plan again. And, you know, the thing, interesting thing with Allen over the course of his career has been, you know, he's always been there. He's always been a steady source. But when the Chargers smell blood in the water, they will just give it to Allen 100 times in a game. And I don't think you can necessarily project that two weeks in a row. Uh, it's always good to know these things a week in advance rather than a week late. But, yeah, I think Allen is solid and just still too cheap. Like, if you compare him and his opportunity and situation to someone like Beckham at the same price point, it's a pretty easy call for me. And nice job. You already lowered Eckler. I just saw you go into our uh, projection system and lower Eckler while we were talking. So nice job jumping on that as I was yeah. as I was no scrolling down. I was I was scrolling to get to searching his name out to, to lower him in the same in the same moment you beat me to the punch. I actually think you can probably roster the Chargers defense here as well. Uh, this Bengals team now without uh, Andy Dalton or without AJ Green, Joe Mixon's questionable. This team's total. This team has the lowest total on the slate. Crazy. They're horrible. They're horrible. I like the the Jeff yeah, Driscoll. Mixon being hurt, no wide receiver thing. Like, they have no offense at all. So the Chargers defense mm-hmm. definitely uh, 100% in play here. Broncos go in and play the 49ers. Uh, Four-point road favorites for the Broncos. Phil Lindsay coming off another big week where we just have such a hard time giving him a lot of opportunity. It doesn't seem to matter because the guy just takes his opportunity at times and just turns it into just massive games. 19 carries uh, for 157 yards, two touchdowns last week, but still only outsnap Royce Freeman 25-21. to 21. Um, At what point are Lindsay's carries just worth so much that you can – can we even ever risk it in cash games? Other people have done it to to success this season. We have not really, uh, except for like I think we rostered him like one time in cash because I'm always and that was a week. It was a week Royce Freeman was out. So I think arguably yeah, yeah. his worst week too. Um, but like, where do we stand with Lindsay? Because obviously from a talent perspective, it seems like he just gets it done, and they're still clearly in a timeshare. Yeah, they're clearly in a timeshare. But the real question, and I was actually begging this question in the Cortland Sutton write up this week too, because Sutton's another guy with Sanders out of the picture that stands to be a pretty popular cash game option. The real question is how much are they going to trust Case Keenum to pass? Because if the running backs are going to get 31 carries in a given week, then sure, Lindsay could get 20 of those. Right. You know, like that that makes perfect sense to me. Nobody told me that they were only going to trust Keenum after, you know, flirting with mid-30s up into the mid-40s passes all season that they would drop to 28 passes against Pittsburgh in a game that they were winning. And then another good game script against Cincinnati, give him the ball just 21 times. Like they seem to have a pretty clear sense of what they would like to do, which is limit Keenum's ability to kill them. And they've done it effectively. In the last four weeks, uh, Keenum, zero turnovers, which is the thing that was really killing him earlier this season, fumbling multiple times per game, uh, throwing an interception in each of the first eight weeks of the season. So, yeah, if the plan is to give the running backs the ball 30 times, 35 times, then Lindsay is playable. 
you're taking him at an all-time high price, which still concerns me. Uh, you know, there are plenty of guys in this league that can touch the ball 19 times in a game and not be eighteen or $8,000 running backs. So I think you're taking an outsized risk here, but I'm, uh, I'm at least listening now on Lindsay. Like if there's another week where he touches the ball 20 times, I think I could be thought of as a buyer. But yeah, again, at the $7,900 price tag, you're not comparing him to other running backs necessarily, but you're going to take him over Keenan Allen at this price? No way. So... Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I think I'm still off it on Lindsay. Well, where do you set his usage, real quick, before we go be, uh, uh, talk about the, <clears throat> the Sutton thing? But I have him at 15 carries, three targets. Does that seem reasonable? Does it seem too low? I don't. Again, this is like sort of like in the McCaffrey light range of just sometimes just I want to be bullish on those because he's so good and and the touches seem so robust. But I just don't know. Like, does 15 and three sound correct to you? No, nah, I would say it's more like 17 and one, something like that. I mean, okay. he's only been targeted a single time in the passing game over the last two weeks, and that's notable. Uh, he's been super effective on a yards per carry basis, and I still maintain that it's really, really hard to just pump, rip off eight yards a carry forever. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think he's going to do that. He's a goal line back, so you like to see that, but I don't know. Like, I, I would not classify his touches as robust for a 7,900 dollar back. Like, 20, 14, 15, 19, 21, 15. 10 like I don't know I'm no I'm, I'm still not impressed on Lindsay the more you make me talk about this guy the more I talk myself out of him every single time and then in the passing game obviously without Emmanuel Sanders now and they traded away Demarius Thomas so we do not have a I don't think we have a great understanding of what the pass game is going to look like now um I Cortland Sutton yeah. has seen a lot of snaps and has seen targets at times I'm not sure I think he'll just be a chalk play just because he's like last man standing um so I don't think from that point of view you're worried at his price about him killing you both from an ownership perspective and floor and then how much are you willing to take a, a, a risk on the Sean Hamiltons of the world, you know, like the Matt Lacosses of the world, the, the, these other sort of guys that are left over in the passing game, or just, just Keenum just not throw the ball enough? You just think they're just going to pound the ball and kind of be done with it? Yeah, last week it was basically Court and Sutton accounted for a third of the targets. Sanders accounted for another third. The running backs accounted for like, I think, 15 or 16%. And then the rest of these guys got table scraps. So no, I'm not going to be, I'm not at all interested in looking beyond the Cortland Suttons even further down the food chain, especially because I can get Sutton for pretty cheap anyways. So if I can just take Sutton for 5,400, I'll feel like, or 5,600 on DraftKings, I'll feel like I've done good work for the day and I don't need to look at gift horse in the mouth. What if like a guy like Deshaun Hamilton, like at like six targets, he's the minimum price on DraftKings. Uh, you knew he, let's say you knew he was starting and his $3,000 salary along with Sutton in there afforded you the possibility of getting you know two big running backs like an Elliott and a McCaffrey or something like that because now you're just completely punting away wide receiver would you feel comfortable with that scenario or is just too speculative I think it's too speculative I just don't know why I would believe that he was going to get six targets in a game uh you know I think right now Denver has I think it's four healthy wide receivers on their roster so that's not very many uh but yeah I don't know like Hamilton's a rookie he's done actual nothing all season long like Man, I, I don't want to be in the spot of trying to figure out, read the tea leaves in Denver and try to figure out who's actually going to get these uh, targets. Yeah, fair enough. It's a, it's a very weird situation. All right, let's get, keep it rolling here. Cardinals host the Lions. Lions are uh, two, th- excuse me, three-point home favorites here. Uh, it does not look like they're going to get Kerryon Johnson back this week. Kenny Galladay questionable, but looks like he's going to play. Uh, very low total, 40 and a half. Anything of interest in uh, Galladay's a guy we wanted to play in the past. It looks like he's going to draw some Patrick Peterson here, though. Um, anything that you like on the uh, on either side of this ball? Well, here's a cheap wide receiver play for you. Uh, Bruce Ellington. Right now, Ellington, his last three games, has 
Quick math, James. 26 targets. Yep. That's so many targets for a guy. He's the minimum price on DraftKings. He's under 5000 on FanDuel. And if you think there's any concerns with Galladay, and Galladay's got a couple of them right now, uh, he's questionable with a quadriceps injury. And they expect that he'll play, but drawing Patrick Peterson means that he... And he, Galladay is just not an explosive you know, true number one receiver that can just go up in any matchup. Given that Ellington is already out-targeting him and he's $2,300 cheaper, I actually think Ellington's a very, very strong play for cash. Yeah, we have him right around 12 and a half DraftKings points right now. And he's drawing a really, in our system, a very favorable matchup, mostly because Galladay is going to see the majority of just the lock, the theoretical lockdown defense. So Galladay, Ellington's getting a huge multiplier, almost 10% boost uh, on his targets right now. And if you think, you know, eight targets is the reality for him, I'm, I'm with you. That could be end up being a cash game play and i don't think that's a guy that's on a lot of people's radars especially with some of this cheap value possibly cheap guys opening well, up a lot of people don't have james working for them to uh, help their minutes i appreciate you working for me you know. yeah it's been nice having you work for me for all these years all right uh let's keep I, by the way i think you can possibly i you quit could, you could probably consider both defenses here too um neither of these offenses are all that good uh arizona is just uh, another team that's projected for under dude 19. if you think i'm taking a defense against bruce ellington and theo riddick i got a bridge to sell you you're crazy <laughs> Uh, Eagles go in. Taking against Josh Rosen. What are you, insane? <laughs> Eagles play the Cowboys. Cowboys 23.75 implied total right now with a three and a half, three and a half point home spread. We talked a ton about Zeke. Zeke seems like a lock for me in cash games this week. I don't think we need to go crazy, Talk, continue to talk about him, except if you want to listen to our uh, the reasoning why, just go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. Uh, but then uh, the rest of these guys, Dak, Amari Cooper. Cooper's coming off some big weeks. He's clearly the wide receiver one in this situation. The Eagles' pass defense has been carved up by opposing wide receivers at times this season. Could you see getting in on like maybe the Dak and Cooper part of it? I don't know. Or do they even come close to you for cash games? Uh, not really. I mean, I don't like for on the Cowboys side. Yeah, Zeke is a great play. Cooper, the price has come up a little bit. The production, like he had that big Thanksgiving week, which we, you know, miraculously just pulled out of thin air and kind of got there on. Uh, He was heavily targeted in the New Orleans game too. And he's been really, really efficient. So, you know, I don't really have a lot of terrible things to say about Cooper. It's just mostly a price question. And if that kind of $6,900 running back is really where we wind up landing for cash games because I think our eight and a half targets that we have for him are pretty accurate. Um, I guess the big fun- fundamental underlying assumption that we'll have to question on Cooper is like, do we trust his current efficiency in Dallas, right? Because forever in Oakland, he was just right there in the conversation with guys like T.Y. Hilton and Mike Evans and whoever else, guys that were heavily, Deshaun Jackson, heavily targeted but super inefficient. He's caught 16 of, out of the last 17 balls thrown his way. Or, are the eight and a half targets he's getting now just so dissimilar to the eight and a half targets he would get for the Raiders? Like, is that just going to be worth six catches now? Whereas in the past it was worth four? Like, what do you think about it? I'm just not enough of an X's and O's guy to know if the scheme is so different that, like, they're just putting him in more advantageous situations. That's, like, my only thing. And I'm just right. calling. Just... You also just can't get lucky for two weeks, right? Like, that. we've seen Hilton do the same thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. roll off two weeks of. And Mike Evans did it this season too. So I'm just more—I'll plead yeah. ignorance on like understanding the understanding of like are these passes so much better than the ones he was mm. seeing from Derek Carr in that offense? Let me just give it with real quick with Amari Cooper. Let me give you a couple. Uh, this guy or that guy? Amari Cooper or Julian Edelman this week? Uh, Cooper. Uh, Cooper or Tyler Boyd with no AJ Green? Tyler Boyd. Cooper or Kenny Galladay? Cooper. Not Co- close. Cooper or Juju? Uh, Juju seven hundred more. Uh, 
Yeah, the price, it starts getting tricky for me trying to eyeball it at a 10% price increase, but I would say Juju probably. Yeah, that, one's, that one gets a little bit closer. I probably, I would go Juju because of the And raw points, I take Juju, no brainer. I just don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't want to act a fool and, and just guess based on the price. Anything that you like from the Eagles side, they've thrown the Tate a little bit here. Josh Adams, they wanted to turn into their running back one that didn't really totally work out last game, though they did give him a lot of carries. Dallas defense has been very good this season. Anything you like on the Eagles? Yeah, I, I talked about Carson Wentz as a potential pivot for DraftKings just because he's 5,400. I think that's a, that's a playable option. I don't really like anything else there. Steelers are 10-point uh, road favorites against Oakland, and we're just in another situation here with the running backs. I don't really know what to do. This this would be a James Conner lock week for me, and he, but he's hurt. And so now you get Jalen Samuels, who's going to, quote, draw the start. Steven Ridley is there too. They've already said they're going to split time. These guys are so cheap. And they're huge road favorites against a completely garbage Oakland team. And I just don't know what to do with it. And so I, is it just, I feel like one of these guys could be in a, in a GPP winning lineup. So let's just start there. Like at their price and the way we've seen the Steelers use their running backs when they were committed to a guy, one of these guys possibly has enormous upside. And I just don't, almost don't, even though this is our business, don't want to be in the business of trying to figure out who it is. I was really locked on Samuels till the Stephen Ridley, uh, piece came out that he was going to split time give me your you know give me your sort of high level thoughts on where we stand with the Steelers run game because again these guys are coming like basically at the minimums yeah this is such a tricky situation because also that note from Samuels I think it just came from him and not even from the coaching staff so you know players just say things sometimes too right like he doesn't I don't know how sophisticated he's going to be. Like, what does a split even mean? Does it mean he gets three quarters of the possessions and Ridley gets one? Or, you know, they occasionally use Ridley out of the passing game. Like, I, oh, I, I, I'm very nervous to trust him here. I, and I wouldn't be excited, I don't think, if I saw, you know, 50% ownership out of Jalen Samuels and I didn't have him. Yes. I would be pretty concerned about that because like how fundamentally different is he from on a talent perspective than James Conner no one had heard of James Conner before this season the guy comes out here and is like a consensus play at seven or 8,500 in some matchups right so uh, if you can get an $8,000 running back for 4,600 you're doing pretty well uh, so yeah I'm, I'm nervous I, I want more news I want some definitive answers and until I get those though I probably won't try to guess between these guys i the reason I'm encouraged by Samuels is that he has been sort of like the next guy up. They'll really get eight carries uh, in week uh, in the, on the eighth against Carolina. He has really not touched the ball at all. Samuels had sort of touched the ball here and there uh, over a couple of weeks. Uh, he was a pass. Well, he was labeled as a tight end when he went to North Carolina State, and then they um, they use like sort of like a. So he has caught balls in the past. So the, the pass catching mm-hmm. ability for him is there, which is very important in the Steelers run, like just like in their overall attack. I'm with you. If we say, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him at 55% start. I wouldn't be shocked if we just ended up with him in cash games. I mean, there's 48 hours to go. There's there's time for news to come out and to like have some more definitive stuff. This will be something to very closely monitor. I'd almost be willing to take the risk on on Samuels if he if they just like if he said he was going to start and no no other news. This one's a very close one. You can hear me sort of hemming and hawing because I'm like 30 even 3700 on DraftKings. This guy could be 60% start. I'd hard to tell where the rest of the industry Absolutely. sort of landing with him. I and I'm with you. Like if, if it was that was the case and we didn't have him, I think I'd be feeling pretty panicky and I don't usually feel like that with ownership. We talked about Brown, uh Juju's there. I mean, do we see just another 50 can we see 45 passing attempts out of Roethlisberger, especially if they have trouble establishing the run because the, these are just like their full-on backups at this point. And we've seen the Steelers play in weird game scripts where they just can't, even against bad teams, can't get anything going. Uh, right now, Roethlisberger showing up pretty much in all of our lineups uh, in the top ones. Do you feel comfortable with that from a cash game perspective? 
Yeah, I do. I mean, I brought this up in the cash game podcast, but Oakland's historically bad against the pass right now. Uh, the 8.7 yards per attempt that they allow is higher than any quarterback has ever averaged for their entire career. So I, uh, I'm pretty confident in taking the Steelers passing game here. I do want to be cautious about projecting opportunities simply because in games that can get out of hand, weird things can happen. And especially with like two unknown running backs, uh, one of the concepts that you've thrown out there is the idea of owning the whole offense, you know, getting all of their production. I don't know that we can confidently do that with the Steelers this week. So while I think there is sizable production to be had, I think outside of Ben, it gets a little bit dicey. Uh, that being said, I think both Roethlisberger and Brown will be two starting points for me for both cash games and big tournaments. I think it's just might be too good to pass up on, especially because some people I think just are, you know, unfairly uh, bearish on Brown's potential for production. I think the fact that he's only one off the league lead in targets that we've seen better efficiency in the last couple of weeks, and then he has a league best matchup. This is a, a spot you want a piece of. Uh, I, I forgot one team that I'm going to go back to in one second, but real quick on Samuels. Uh, right now, if you had to set his his targets and his carries, what do you think? Would you put him at 10 carries or um, and two and a half targets? Is that too too high? I mean, we're, just real quick, gut, gut thought on what his overall, what, what he ends up being uh, like uh, going into this week. Uh, I would say that one running back winds up getting, I think they'll do a, two, a two-thirds split. And so I think Samuels will get around 14 carries. Whoa. And Ridley, I, I do. And I think Ridley will get like uh, seven targets and like four carries. Wow, that's um, not what I thought you were going to say. Okay, um, that's going to be... Yeah, it's a, it's a big number. I, I just think I, I think that he could get the carries, but you could not be very good on 14 carries. Like, that's not... Like, just go look at all the game logs. The Carlos Hyde's that, you know, up and down the world of people who do legitimately nothing with between 10 and 15 carries and nothing else to add to it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my take. And it could be too high. I don't know. I, I just think, you know, when you think about a time split in a game where a team will win by 10 points or more... You got to put the carry somewhere. So yeah, okay. I gave him twelve and two and a half, and then I gave Ridley eight and two. We'll see what twelve and two and a half is literally the exact same thing. Same thing I said. I said fourteen and zero. Oh, sorry. Um, you were. Uh, I was. I, I. I misunderstood what you were saying about targets. Um, I was. I was confusing the the verbs there. One. I, uh, real quick before we get out of here, I did. I, <laughs> you give me the low, and then you give me a point five more touches in the game. <laughs> Yeah, my bad, dude. Don't worry about it. Um, the I, I, I think I said whoa because no, sorry. I just I had it at eight and two and a half, and I moved it up to twelve when you said that. Oh, sorry. I see. I see. Um, that that sorry. That's where I, I landed on the number that you said. Sorry. So the confusion it, at, confusion it. at rest. Everyone can rest easy. I did skip over the Thank Niners, goodness. by the way. Um, Jeffrey Wilson, I think, will be a pretty popular cash game play. We talked about him yesterday. Uh, he's coming at mm. the minimums. Looks like he's going to get. I, he probably outsnaps Alfred Morris. Famous last words here: uh, two to one at least, I would think, and heavily involved in the pass game. We, I just completely skipped over the Niners before George Kittle in play there as well. All right, we are going to get out of here. We're butting up against Megapod status as we close in on the hour. DFSR.com/slash. I'll do a seven-minute read and we'll get to an hour. DFSR.com/slash deals. We'll get you started on our premium projection service powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab Optimal Lineups. For FanDuel, DraftKings, NFL, NBA, premium chat, premium articles, it's all covered under one subscription. So go check that out. It's a special deal for the podcast listeners. DFSR.com slash deals. Buddy, enjoy all your Jalen Samuels shares this weekend. (laughs) Can't wait to see you. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. 
Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.